You are listening to 101.5 UMFM, Broken Headphones Radio Program. The radio program of Studio 393 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We are a youth drop-in, arts drop-in, satellite of graffiti art programming. Please check us out at www.graffitigallery.ca for our online programming that we have running. This is an interview with Jam Cam. DJ, producer, promoter, ISO Radio co-founder. Check it out. Interview with Kenneth, Osani, and Tessa. I like it because you get to sort of know every you get to know everyone because like Winnipeg's like a lot of people say it's either like a small uh, a big town or a small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a big town, like. Uh, yeah, you just like everyone kind of like knows each other and then you start seeing the same people that come by like again and again. Then yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty funny. Everyone's a friend of a friend of someone. So usually when someone comes by, usually I know like either the siblings or something or I know a lot of people that they know already. So it makes it easier to like connect and then like figure out what they're into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm originally from Calgary. So I feel like it's a little bit like that, you know? It's like a, a big town kind of. <laughs> yeah yeah Um, but that's cool though i find that like the community element of things is usually like really strong in those places so Mm -hmm. yeah it took me a while like when i came to toronto i've been here for five years now so it's getting up there but i just had my like five year toronto anniversary actually like on what was it monday or something like that um and yeah when i got here that was like one thing that was really like took a lot of adjusting because like I was just used to being in Calgary where everybody knows everybody, like you said. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a smaller place, like, you know, every time someone had like a show or an event, like everyone would show up to support that one thing. Whereas here it's like, there's so many things going on all the time that it's like sometimes a little bit harder to like get that support. But yeah, I've been lucky though. Like definitely found my kind of place here over the last few years. So it's good. Yeah, the thing I noticed about that I really like about Winnipeg is that there's like usually only like one or two rap shows at the most. So if you're going somewhere for the night, you're like staying there like, yeah, pretty much the whole night. Is that, that's not Toronto. Like how many, do you have to go to a lot of places you feel like in Toronto? Like, oh yeah. Like, I mean, obviously not right now, but um, yeah, when I first moved here, it was like kind of overwhelming, you know, you're like, there's something every night and then you kind of have like FOMO because you're like, oh, I need to go to that thing. I need to go to that thing. And then eventually you're like, okay, I can't go to everything. Like, <laughs> but with the first summer that I lived here, I pretty much went out like literally like every night, like for the whole summer. It was crazy. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Broken Headphones podcast, part of Studio 393. Uh, and on UMFM 101.5, we are here with JMKM. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, you know, I took time out of my busy schedule of like <laughs> staying home. <laughs> <He's> joking. <laughs> You've been working on your elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of cooking, actually. Cooking's good. Yeah, that's something I never really get to do in my like normal schedule so i'm just trying to like enjoy that during these probably, times probably saves you a lot of money yeah definitely yeah what kind of things are you cooking um well my background's chinese so i like to make a lot of like kind of like 
stuff that has like Asian, an Asian vibe to it, you know? A lot of like stir fries, like stuff like that. I really like curry. I love spicy food, so anything curry. like that. Is that some food that you grew up with, like a lot or? Um, I didn't grow up eating spicy food. Definitely not. I actually like hated spicy food until like I was maybe, until maybe like I was in high school. Yeah. I used to be a really picky eater when I was a kid, like really picky. <laughs> now I eat anything. So thankfully I grew out of that. <laughs> uh jam can you can you uh just uh, give the audience like a, a brief description of what you do or yeah yeah sure um i i call myself a miscellaneous music person um because i kind of do like a few different things but music is sort of the the common thread that runs through all of them but basically my background is um in marketing and media that was kind of like what i was working in for most of my adult life um i've worked in marketing for like big companies small companies mostly on like the digital side of things um and then while i was kind of like growing my career in marketing I was also like, I was always involved in like the world of music somehow. It started when I was like a teenager. I used to sell tickets to events and I was like a promoter, I guess what people call them now, but um, I was doing that. And then st started like writing about music, like writing show reviews and album reviews for like local music magazines and then working my way up till I was like writing for like really big publications. And the world of like music blogging now isn't really what it was like five years ago like five years ago was way more of a big deal and that was kind of like the time that i was in it mm -hmm. um so yeah that's kind of what i was doing for like the you know throughout my like early 20s late teens early 20s and then um when i moved to toronto five years ago is when i really started sort of like taking just working in music like i'm doing air quotes right now because that can be like so many different things. Um, that was when, like five years ago is when I started really getting into like DJing and like throwing my own events. And then from that really like spun off into a bunch of other different things, which was like consulting for other brands, consulting for artists. Um, you know, I started my own label that my partner and I have underneath the label, we like develop and release music, but we also do events under that brand. Um, and then I also co-founded a community radio station here called ISO Radio. So those are kind of the things that I do. Um, yeah, miscellaneous music and media person and community organizer, I guess, is my one sentence description. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Want to go ahead and ask a, a question? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> what inspired you to pursue your practice? Hmm. I think like, so I didn't grow up in a musical or creative family. Um, I mean, it's kind of weird because I come from a big family. I have four brothers and sisters, so there's five kids total. And we're all like super different. So like <laughs> my older brother, he's like a blue collar guy. Like he works on scaffolding. He like loves to work with his hands. He was always into like building things. Um, and then there's me and I'm definitely more in like, you know, the creative kind of like mindset. 
Then I have a younger brother who's also like a blue collar guy, but, and he's also into like active, like extreme sports. Like he's like crazy skateboarder. He does like rock climbing. That's his thing. <laughs> and then <laughs> my, I have a younger sister who is, she works in insurance. Like she's like got some crazy, <laughs> if you guys have ever heard of that. It's like, she does like risk assessment for insurance essentially. So she's like on her own thing. And then I have a younger sister than her who's also like an artist. So we're all kind of like doing our own different things. So I think like prior to when I was growing up and like social media and the internet and stuff were kind of just becoming a thing. That was when I really saw like a way for me to get involved in like a creative practice. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, there's so many like, you know, like you can basically make a song and like put it on SoundCloud and it's like out there for people to like listen to, which now I feel like we take that for granted. But like, you know, prior to like social media and stuff that really didn't exist. Like if you were going to become an artist, you really had to like either get discovered by a big, big record label, or you had to like really do some crazy work in order to like get your music onto a CD and sell it into a store, you know? So I would say, yeah, like just the internet and the possibilities of like what, you know, that could empower you to do really inspired me to be like, okay, cool. How can I sort of like be part of this world and like tap into like my creative side, I guess. And I also like, you know, growing up somewhere like Calgary and, and going out to like lots of different events, I had a lot of different friends who were into all kinds of different things from like dance to DJing to making music. And um, my boyfriend at the time who I was dating for a really long time was a DJ. And that kind of like exposed me to that world. And I just kind of became like hooked on the idea of being the person who kind of gets to dictate the vibe of a party. I just thought that was so cool. I was like, wow, you're like really the one who's like taking people kind of like on this musical journey, you know? So um, I, I always thought that was really cool, but it's funny because when we were dating, um, I wasn't DJing then. Like you'd think I would pick it up dating someone who's a DJ, but I think I just, in my head, I, I thought it was kind of like his thing and I didn't want to like step on any toes, which sounds like so dumb now, but I think that's kind of like what I was thinking. So it was actually after him and I split up that I was like, I'm going to try this DJ thing. And then, um, yeah, everyone was like super supportive and like really cool. And he, he, like my ex and I are still really good friends and he was super supportive as well. So, um, that was cool to like have people that you kind of look up to just sort of, yeah, encourage you in that way, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I was kind of curious also because you said that you're from Calgary. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I was kind of curious, was moving to Toronto more like about your career as a DJ and your art or was it more like just you just were looking for something like fresh, or like a new start or something? It was kind of a bit of both to be honest. Um, so I, I definitely needed like a change, a change of scene. I love Calgary and it's such a great place to live. Um, but I'm not originally from there either. And I think I kind of always knew that I wanted to like try out living somewhere different. And I'm like a big city girl, you know, like I like, I'm drawn to like busy, like 
cities. So, um, I mean, and this is like the biggest, busiest one in Canada. So, um, but I definitely did come out here for a career too. Like I knew that I wanted to like work in music. I knew that I wanted to do more different things in that world. And I was like, I just need to kind of like go to the place that's like the hub of that in Canada. Yeah. Um, and when I first moved out here, I had just started DJing. And I actually thought I was going to come out here and, you know, continue to pursue like my marketing and media career more so. And I was like, I just kind of thought that DJing would be a cool thing I could do on the side and to maybe like make a little bit of extra money. But I came out here and it really just like kind of took off and just started getting more and more opportunities until eventually that became like my, you know, kind of full-time thing. Um, it was never like the only thing I was doing, but for the last like, you know, three to four years, it's definitely been how I've been spending most of my time and like how I've been making most of my money, you know? So I guess you could say it was my full-time thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, and now, and now you, uh, you plan a, you like host events, right? Yeah. So, um, that was kind of something I've like, again, always kind of done a little bit. Like I've always been like an organizer of people, you know, like even when I was a kid, I was always the one who was like organizing people into like games and like, you know, coming up with like these crazy names for things or like na a name for like that team versus that team and this and that. Like I was always like just doing that kind of stuff. And as I got older and started being more involved with music, I was like, oh, there's definitely like a role for that person in this world too, you know, who's like an organizer of people and places and things like that. So, and it's like, it definitely like takes a certain kind of like person to do that kind of work. Um, yeah, because you got to like be really organized, but you have to like also be like very understanding of like different people and their positions. So um, I kind of just like fell into that. And now I would say that's like, one of the most important kind of like roles that I have in the community here, you know, is like being an organizer of, of people and things and events is like one big part of that. Mm -hmm. um, I love like planning and executing an event. <laughs> so fun and it's so satisfying and it's cool to see like your vision like come to life and, and people taking it in and like enjoying it, you know? Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing about like a big event is like how it's like, so much preparation and like so much anticipation and then it's just like it, it's like here and gone and then you're like oh it's over and i think that's why it's kind of like addicting because you're like i gotta do like another one you know so yeah i yeah i really like going to going to shows in winnipeg but, yeah uh, yeah i was wondering like what's the importance of having an event that or event something that continues on you know, like I, I go to like a lot of like one-off shows or like maybe it happens yearly, but what's the importance of having something that happens like every, every month or so. And it's like under the same headline. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think doing like one-off things can be like really fun too. If you're like kind of trying to be like a little bit more experimental or, or just try something out. But I think the importance of having something that's like ongoing is like, you really get to like build a community around it. And, you know, it's, it becomes that thing that people can really count on. 
like, hey, every month I'm going to go to like X thing and it's going to be this experience, you know? Mm. And I think there's something like really valuable in that. I think that that's the case for events for sure. But like any creative practice, just like consistency goes a long way. And, um, you know, I think for events too, especially if you're just going to do it like one time, like most likely the first time it's like not going to be great, you know? Maybe even the first like five times it's not going to be great. And that's like the tricky thing with events because like sometimes if you have an event and it doesn't do great it's like it's hard to keep doing it like it's hard to justify the work or the money that goes into it or it's hard to get that venue that you're having the event in to like want to continue doing it with you you know so that's why everyone's kind of got to be on the same page about like hey we're like growing this thing and it's going to take some time for that to happen you know like many events that I've done and still continue to do like they're kind of up and down. You, you just kind of have to like try different things and, and see what works. But um, I think sticking to like an idea or principle or an experience, like saying, hey, this is like what my event, um, what the goal of this event is. This is the experience we're trying to bring people. And just like having that as kind of like your guiding light, you know, mm -hmm. is really important. I've organized many different events over the years honestly like even from being back in calgary we ran like many party series back there and one of them is actually still going which is crazy it's called rewind party um i started that with like a few of my friends there it started as like a hundred person party and now it's like a 1200 person party that happens twice a year in like one of the biggest venues in calgary which is so wild um but in toronto uh i guess my main events that i've organized that people would know now are um, one called In It, which is a UK music party that we throw under our Bear Selection umbrella. And that one's a really fun one because it's kind of the only party of its kind that's happening in the city right now, which is cool. And then um, another is called Cowork, which is a lot of fun as well. The whole idea behind Cowork is um, that there's no headliners at the party so it's like a dj lineup but there's no set times there's not like one person who gets to play at the prime time it's just like usually four djs that we bring together some of them are really experienced some of them are not that experienced but everyone plays the same it's just 30 minute sets one after another so that's like a lot of fun um yeah and those are the big ones i've been working on honestly i used to kind of do like a lot more like one-off stuff like we were talking about but over the last like couple years, I've just really been focusing on those like those two. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to UMFM 101.5 Broken Headphones podcast. We're here with JMKM. I was just gonna ask also, do you think that your your skills that you learned from organizing, and I also know that you're involved with like radio and writing, mm -hmm. do you think that like your DJing skills and your writing skills and your being able to go on radio, do you think those things are like intertwinable like? they helped you, I don't know, like your, your radio skills helped you with your DJ skills or your DJ skills helped you with your organizing skills? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think they're very related. Um, and I think it all kind of boils down to like, even everything I've ever done my whole career kind of boils down to this idea of like sharing something that you think is cool, you know? And like, back in the day when I had my first blog ever, that's essentially what it was or my Tumblr or whatever it was way back in the day, you know, like it was just like sharing things that I thought was cool. 
And then the world of like working in media when I was doing more music writing, that was essentially an extension of that as well. It was like profiling artists or things that I thought were interesting. Um, and then, yeah, even every DJ set that I do is like, obviously it's gonna be tailored to like whatever environment I'm in. Like I'm gonna play a very different set if I'm at like a bottle service nightclub versus like playing in a store like, you know, Holt Renfrew or whatever. But like ultimately it's still like what I think is cool and like sharing sort of that as a form of creative expression. So I think they're very, um, very related. And honestly, like I feel really lucky that I had the opportunity to like kind of come from this background of like working in a more like structured environment, like working for a big company in a marketing department. Um, and then sort of being able to transfer all that experience into like a more creative field, just cause you know, I can like, if I'm like ever working with like a big brand, for instance, like our, our radio station actually just did a, like it's ongoing right now. We have um, a project that we did with Red Bull. Red Bull's like a huge brand, you know? And because of my background and my ability to like put together a proposal and like sell through an idea and like tell people what they're gonna get out of it and like what are your key performance indicators and what's the return in, on investment in this. Those are all like things that I learned through working in marketing, but now I can like take all that and like get something done for my community for our radio station by working with this big brand. So it's super like super related and very interconnected. Okay, cool. Tessa, you got anything over there? Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay, going back to like the whole event portion of the yeah. thing. Okay, when you're like planning an event, does like the age limit really affect it like do you do all ages or do you find it's easier to just like 19 plus because that's the like, age limit like legal age in toronto yeah so um it's usually like honestly i would love to do all ages stuff and i've, I've looked into it many times the tricky part about that is usually the the venue or the space that you can have it in um yeah so like in toronto for instance there's a lot of venues that are because they're licensed to serve liquor even if you're not serving liquor during your event you still can't have people underage in the okay. space so that makes it really challenging um and then also like things like insurance and stuff for all ages events is like different than it would be for a um of age one so it's like there's so many like so much like red tape and it it sucks so bad because i think that when I was growing up, there was a lot more all ages and like youth events, yeah. but I think they've just, it's, it's just so much more strict now um, that it's a lot harder to execute. So mo like most of my events, I would say 90% of the ones that I've done have been um, like 19 plus. And then there's been a couple of all ages ones, like mostly for like special occasions, like women's day and things like that we'll try to do like all ages events but yeah it's super hard and i think that those are kind of the things that some people maybe don't really consider um is all that like back-end stuff when it comes to doing events yeah. and most of the most of the promoters or event organizers that i know i know a lot of them really want to do all ages stuff especially because you know like it's just 
a young people are obviously the future but if you can you know sort of start building your audience when people are like 15 16 and you provide them with a great experience and give them something that they're looking for like they'll stick with you you know as they like grow up and become older so that's like amazing you obviously want to like build that community and have those like loyal fans and followers me and my friend have hosted uh, a few events nice what kind of events do you guys do well, I, I, I'm a rapper and uh, so I like to like, just like those events where I can rap at or where other people can rap at. Our cool. Times definitely made, we definitely did not break even at all. Not even close. Uh, our friends definitely didn't break <laughs> even. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I, I guess I started, my last event that I held was like my EP release and uh, I, I got a grant for that, which was like really luckily. And, nice. Uh, I guess I just wanted to get your your opinion on how do you find the balance in in grants because I know that they're all they're not like can't rely on them but also like kind of maybe need them if you want or maybe you do maybe you don't if you want to like grow something if you want to throw something like pretty big like what's your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. Oh man, it's so hard. Like, <laughs> it's like events are not like a they're like not a profitable thing. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy i mean even that party that i was referencing in calgary the one that's now like a over a thousand people it's like you know if we sell tickets for like tickets are like 30 dollars for that party so on the surface the math looks great you're like wow that's like thirty thousand dollars you know yeah. but then you think about like how much it actually costs to 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 do something like that you're paying like a venue fee which mm -hmm. is usually really high um, but what you're getting out of that venue fee is like security, like coat check, like all these things that like, if you had to pay individually, it would be like really expensive too, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, how do you balance it? It's, it's crazy. Like, I think that for me, I try to just do like a mix of like, you know, events that the really like for the culture ones where you're not going to like make any money, but you're like, I'm doing this because it's like a good thing to do. <laughs> but then you got to balance it with like, Hey, is this, is this event like groundbreaking or doing something that's like so important? Maybe not. Maybe it's just like a fun, like turn up party, yeah. but like you got to do that too. Cause otherwise how are we all going to eat? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then grants are amazing. That's one thing in Canada that we're super lucky to have. Um, and there's lots of different grants that like to fund events and like showcases and things like that, which is super awesome. But the one thing I don't like about grants is like that there's usually like a timeline attached to it or like a list of things you have to meet, you know? And it's like, I just find that part stressful. It's like, I'm taking someone else's money and I have to like make sure that I like hit these like five things or like I'm gonna be in trouble, you know what I mean? So that's why it's important to just like understand what the like you know um parameters of like whatever grant it is you're getting and also like corporate like brand sponsorships are like, like a really um good way to like inject some money into a an event um that's kind of like how i do most of my events now just because like i have those relationships with people who work in that world um and normally for 19 plus events the like kind of lowest hanging fruit for for brand funding is through like alcohol companies mm. because a lot of venues like if i want to have an event in 
X bar. And I go in there and approach them and talk to them about it. And they already have, they sell whatever beer, let's say. Yeah. Corona. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I approach Corona and I say, hey, Corona beer, I'm going to do an event in this bar that already like carries your product. And, um, you know, this is the number of people that are going to come. These are going to be the kinds of people that are going to be there. It's in your target demographic. Do you want to give me X number of dollars and I'll put your logo on all of our artwork and you can like hang up your sign in the corner while our event's happening on <laughs> for them. They're like, cool. You just did all the work for us, you know, like, uh, yeah, we'll give you money for it. It's usually how it goes. So that's like, you know, the liquor companies are like a low hanging fruit, like I said, but there's like tons, like even cannabis companies now are like sponsoring events, mm. sometimes clothing companies. So that's like another kind of avenue for funding. Looking forward to working on anything in the future or are you currently working on any projects during this um, COVID stuff? Yeah, so, well, we just launched that project I was telling you guys about with, um, with Red Bull. It's for our radio station. So our radio station is called ISO. Um, and the project is a digital zine. So, what it is, is it's eight mixes, eight art pieces, and eight written pieces. And we're like rolling them all out over the month of May. So that's been a lot of fun to work on. And I'm really excited for the rest of it to come out. Um, that's another example of something where I was like organizing a lot of different people. You know, there's basically like 24 creators and artists. So I was like coordinating all that. And then on the other side, I have like, our developers team so i was like working with them and then you know the brand so i'm really excited for that to come out um and then i've been working a lot more on like my own music like making beats me and frieza who's my partner we've been making music together so that's really cool um and then for our label we have a couple releases coming out as well soon so those are all like things that can keep going even when we're in this kind of like downtime and then me personally, like, obviously I can't DJ at parties, but I've been streaming on Twitch and like, that's been going really well. Like it's been like getting a crazy good response. So I'm going to continue doing that, which is so weird and something I never thought that I would do, but here we are in weird and wacky 2020, you know? So yeah. I think Kosani has one more question for you. Yeah. yeah just a quick one. Uh, how, how was it to like meet Stretch, like Stretch and Bobito? Oh my gosh, that was like really cool. I mean, he is like an icon, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think that he's just someone who, even before I was a DJ, I always really respected and looked up to. And then as I got into DJing, I really admired his sort of career and his trajectory and how he went from doing radio and all this different stuff. And he was a tastemaker, you know? Like he really, like that whole thing about like, showing people what you think is cool. Like they really just defined that. So uh, yeah, I played a party with him in New York. Um, I was like, I showed up and I was like DJing and then he actually came like right as I was about to start my set. And I was like, you know, he was like kind of the headliner. So I was like, normally sometimes those people don't really come till like they're about to perform. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, can you guys see my cat's tail just chilling here? Yeah. Right here? <laughs> <laughs> this is my cat. He's so cute. Say hi, Aki. Hi, Aki. Hi, Aki. Hi, Aki. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he showed up right when I was about to start my set, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so nervous. And then um, it was kind of crazy, too, because the setup was, like, really wild. It was, like, a DJ mixer in the middle, and then it was two turntables, which is what he was using, yeah. and then CDJs on either side of those, which is what I was using. And so I was, like, literally having to, like, reach over, and, like, DJ was so crazy. <laughs> so I was, like, all nervous, and then uh, did the set. It went good, and then he was going to jump on, like, right after me, but he asked the other DJ who was there, oh, do you mind like just playing a few songs so that I can talk to her? And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, <laughs> it was a really cool gesture. So he, we, we chatted for like a few minutes and he was super nice. He was like, yeah, he was like, you did a great set. Like, it was awesome. He was like, I learned some songs from you. I was like, wow. So that was like really cool and like really meant a lot to me and I'm just a huge fan of his. And he was like, he played like the most amazing set after that. Like he played a bunch of like classic house music. And then he played like an hour of just 90s dance hall and reggae. And then he ended the set playing like classic hip hop, like the stuff that he basically discovered on his show. So that was amazing. And actually him and I have kept in touch. Um, it's really cool. He like... I actually was trying to bring him out to Toronto this year um, for one of our co-work parties, which is the party I was telling you guys about. And he was super down to come. He was like, yeah, let's do it. And then like all this stuff happened. So that will have to wait, but hopefully it'll happen. Hopefully the stars align. <laughs> yeah, but that was cool. I mean, honestly, I've, I've been really fortunate to meet a lot of people that I look up to and, and DJ alongside them and, you know, sometimes they're really nice and sometimes they're not, but he, he was really nice. And I just became even more of a fan after that. So that's sick. I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're uh, doing stuff again. Him and Bobito. Hey, have you been, have you checked it out? Yeah. I haven't checked it out yet, but I've heard about it. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's super cool. They're doing some stuff on like Instagram live and shit. So it's like awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks Jay and Cam for, coming on our show today. Really oh my fun. gosh, thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Really <laughs> enjoyed talking to you guys. Hopefully I'll see you like in person next time. Thank you for listening to 101.5 UMFM. That was an interview with JMKM, DJ producer, promoter out of Toronto, Ontario. Check us out on www.graffitigallery.ca as well as on SoundCloud, Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you can hear your podcast.